guys. Welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast where we talk about all their favorite books from the book talk world. Now, if you've been with us this long, you know what we're getting into. It's Zodiac Academy time, baby. And we are kicking off on the last book that we have access to because the last, last book comes out in December. And we're getting everyone re-caught up in the world of Solaria and the shenanigans that happened between Darius and the heirs. And to bring us through all of it, of course, are my darling co-hosts, Hilda and Bridget. Hi. Hi. Now, as we say every episode, so much happens in this book, but truthfully, so much happens here where we have to split it into part two parts. So this is part one of Heartless Sky. We'll record part two tomorrow, although none of that matters to you guys. (laughs) It'll be on the next episode. (laughs) Did we decide on that? I think so, right? We don't really have a choice. (laughs) Um, Because we are on a schedule, but we have lots of thoughts and feelings coming into this book as the rest of the world did. We This is the most recent book to come out. We all had to wait, eagerly anticipated the series dropping for the seventh book. And I feel like we all tore through it at different speeds. Hilda obviously finished first. I think Hilda, or Hilda finished first. Bridget and I trailed shortly after that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I kept putting it off because I did not want to feel the heartbreak. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and, and I, I finally only, threatened you. It took me the longest to read this book because I just kept putting it off and it was the holidays and I was like, don't want to do it. The only reason I finished it is because I got FOMO because you finished it, Caitlin. And then I was like, fuck, now I really need to know because all my friends one. know it. It was bad, you know, it was bad that, FOMO. That TikTok sounds like emotional damage. Emotional damage. No? Yeah. Yes. No? That's this book. book. (laughs) As we say for every book past book two, it's lots of emotional I don't know. The first book, the ending was also a little bit of emotional damage. I remember, so it got released, you know, like at midnight on a Saturday. And I kept refreshing my Kindle. And I think I took a nap before. And then I read for a few hours. But I finished that same weekend because it was like the weekend before a really hectic week before I was out on vacation at work. And so like I had to get this book done. So I did nothing that Saturday, Sunday. I think I finished that Sunday around 10 p.m. And I was giving you guys some live takes without sharing it. Yeah. And then I think I was emotionally devastated for the next six weeks. And finally, Bridget, I think I threatened you. I was like, if you don't read this, you did. I'm going to spoiling stuff you did definitely finally finished in january well you know hilda it's impressive because in a two day the course of a weekend you took in a a lot (laughs) a lot of pain you can't even actually process all of that information in the short period of time i was emotionally damaged for six weeks and we were just talking about before we jumped on the recording of like where i remember where i was reading when certain things happened and crying about it we were just reminiscing about oh i cried during this part and i cried during that part so if you too have cried reading zodiac academy well we can start a club and it's the i cried reading zodiac academy club because it (laughs) happens to all of us now before we jump into zodiac academy or before we jump into this book's recap we do have some urgent breaking news that must be addressed and that is that bridget has an update to her why chew now she hasn't told us so we're getting live takes here on what this could be and who it is. I'm so, freaking out. Please tell don't us. Don't freak out. Don't judge me and don't be mean because, you know, I have literally said I don't like this person anymore. And here I am back with my bullshit on my love for him. I am removing Castillo from number one <gasps> okay, and putting Reese. Yes! Boop, 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 boop. I knew it. Hilda's face is like, what? Why? Why? Bewildered. I am did celebrating. You run, did you run into fan art? Yes. I ran into <laughs> I knew fan it. art. I knew it. Like, I think it was last week or the week before, and I have not stopped thinking about it. I so desperately want to reread this book, but I don't have any time. But I'm just like missing this man. I'm in love with him. It was the fan art. I had to look up her handle, but I think it's Who like Maddie it? or Madscombe. Um, you probably had. I put it on my TikTok. It's of him and they're underneath the mountain and like Amarantha. Yeah, she has her arms like draped behind him and he looks so destroyed my heart. Oh, send it to me. I got to see this. You know what fan art I saw? Okay, I first of all, to, before I divulge, I fully support this. Reese is on mine. So I'm happy to have share him with you because he's a worthy, he's worthy of that spot. So just remind me who is else on your why choose? It's so Reese. So now it's him, Darius, Ryder, and Gabriel. All right. Okay. I, I welcome this change. I mean, you know what? I understand replacing Castile. I get it. I get it. He just became a little too much of a little B for me. Without- but Reese, going back to Reese. <gasps> 
First of all, how dare you? You know what? Second Britt made a good point is that he is who he is and we just saw him from the point of view of Feyre. And I okay. mean, cannot fault him for that, for being an listen, asshole to everybody listen, else. Listen. I don't care about him being an asshole to everybody else. Do we it was forget- a C-section. No, it was a C-section part that really messed me up. Do we forget that I'm obsessed with Lance Orion, who only likes like three people in the world? No. You know what? Okay. I love, I do. He's not on my top four. He's definitely in my top eight. But again, when he decided to withhold from Farah the thing about her pregnancy and how dangerous it was, that just threw me over the edge. Because by then, they should have had a nice, stable relationship. And the fact that he did that was just like, the dis- just destroy trust. Girl, you're so, speaking the words that are in my head, but the but words I get that are it, in my I get heart it. just make me miss him. And somehow I can put up with his bullshit for a little bit. The, you uh, know what? The, um, artist is mad so showfield. Can you um, send it to us? Yeah, I just, I sent you my TikTok that I put on it. Well, on that note, speaking of fan art I just saw and our friend Lissa McBritt, she posted something today that was, it was, it was heartbreaking and she had the audacity to put it with My Heart Will Go On, the music from the Titanic. And it was a fan art of an older, this is thrown in glass, an older Dorian reaching out to touch the face of a young man crying a single tear. Manon. Wait, was this on TikTok or Instagram? TikTok. I saw Um, it yesterday or I saw it this weekend. I was not, didn't, was not emotionally prepared to see that. Old man Darius reaching out. Old man Dorian. Old man Dorian. Old man Dorian. It was like witchling. Hello, witchling. Hello, witchling. And I was like, which we are going to have to do a throne of glass, a deep dive. And before I forget, speaking of updating our- our, I just pulled it up. Oh my God. You found it. Bridget's making a scrunchy, cryy face. Hello, witchling and hello, princeling. Okay, I need to get it together. So, okay, one last thing before I forget, because we did uh, receive this as a DM. So we talk about our why chooses a lot, but our friend Mountain Book posed this: Who are our book BFFs? So this is something we're gonna have to think through because initially I'm like, I can do this. This is really fine. I can bang it out real quick, and then I realize this is harder than I thought. So we're gonna have to circle back with this, but I do feel like this is a worthy conversation we're gonna have to talk about. Uh, obviously, there's Aelin. I don't know where Aelin, Price. Darcy, Tori. Okay, you're having an easier time than I did. <laughs> Aelin, Darcy, Tori. How can Tori. I choose? Oh, wait, we're talking about girl BFFs. Sorry, I was like trying to send you guys those TikToks. Um, or just BFFs in general. I got you. Aelin, Manon, Manon. There we go. Manon. Lissandra. We got Tori, Darcy, Geraldine. Right, but now you're, you're just listing all the female characters. You can only pick four. Oh, well, sorry, but those are the ones that I want to go partying with and then go beat the fuck out of people with. So. Right. It's like a it's a hard mix of badasses and then like good time, good time gals. You know what? Aelin, Manon, Tori, and Darcy. Those That's are like my, my top four. Yeah. That's my list. Okay, I think I go Aelin, Bryce, Bryce, Geraldine, Geraldine, and... I don't know Bryce, but based on your why choose, I'm assuming like you're going for a well-rounded group of friends. Mm-hmm. I, but I think I also bring Darcy in there because, I don't know, Darcy and Bryce I feel like can bring same energy of... Do you mean Darcy or Tori? Tori, I'm sorry. Tori and Bryce could bring same energy. So I don't know. Maybe maybe Manon wins the last spot. Or Lissandra. You know, that was a good point. Anyway, we're going to have to talk about this. Maybe we put a BFFs up on the IG. Thank you, Mountain oh, Books, for bringing it to our attention. I do that think about excellent. this a lot because I was thinking about this making TikTok like over the summer and I was like, I, if I could be best friends with any of these female leads, those would be the four. Um, if I needed to throw a dude in there, throw Cassian in there. <laughs> He's one of the gals. He's on my I list. I love him. All right. Well, speaking of on our list, we got Lance Orion, your number one hotspot man to talk about because so much happens in this book. But you're going to bring us through a five-minute recap as best you can for the first, I think we said, 43% to get specifically specific of this book. I think it actually might be like closer to 49 or 50. Actually, we actually just hit the 50% mark. All right. So round it up to an even 50 Hold on. Before we get started, though, I just want to make a general announcement. Well, actually, two general announcements. First of all, Suzanne posted on TikTok today, plus in the Suzanne and Caroline's Reading Tribe. They're part of the anthology, The Hell Hath Neil Fury, A Romance 
anthology for reproductive rights. And so they're including what they gave was a teaser, but we're all pretty sure it's the love story of the twins parents. So we're going to get the story of Hale and Marissa. And we just want to point it out because not only is it an amazing cause, but it's going to be an amazing story. So thank you, Twisted Sisters, for supporting a great cause, as well as just, I don't know, giving us that story. So that was number one, general announcement. Number two, general announcement. I hardly ever drink while talking on the podcast. But as I was doing my reread of Heartless Sky, I got so much anxiety that I had to. So I'm finishing up my very substantial glass of rosé miraval in case you're wondering because they were out of whispering angel but that's why i'm like a little bit slurry as the one who usually has a glass of wine i say it's okay okay so so if we're recording tomorrow we should make it an agreement now that all of us are going to be very tipsy for this podcast so we might have a glass before and a glass or two during i need to be because just i've already like prepping my tears like, I will I really cry over you know who, even though everyone says. So what you're saying it's is it's her. okay if I have just a wine bottle and a straw. Yeah, no, recording. I dare you, fine. Caitlin. You know it's what? Say perfectly less. Perfectly fine. You know what I'm trying to find? That straw. It's like actually glasses that when you sip, it's like yep. goes through. Do it, do it, do it. I'm gonna put it on TikTok. Let me tell you. I don't want to say I forgot, but I put all my emotions from this book in a very teeny tiny space in my heart and my brain so that I wouldn't have to access them. Oh, you know I did that. I stopped after but book four. That's why book four hurt so much for me because like, I was like compartmentalizing. I'm, my therapist would have a field day with me about my compartmental compartmentalization of this book. And so the fact that I had to bring it out and unpack it, I am just downward spiraling again. Isn't this only the second time you've read this book, right? Yes. And so it's still I'm not fresh. Even, yeah. And I'm not even doing a thorough reread. I'm really skimming because one, it's a lot to read. Um, and we have a tight schedule and I, I have to like work this week. <laughs> I always work. I always work. But I really had to focus we on We have other things week. to do in our lives, which may be shocking yeah. to most of you. So yeah. So, so update. To- Wine goggles ordered. Is he going to get it for tomorrow? Prepare yourselves. Yes. Did tomorrow. you do overnight delivery? Sure did. Is it on Amazon? Maybe I'll get it. You guys want too. the link? <laughs> yes. Send it yeah. through. And we'll also post it on our Instagram for our friends and fans. Yeah. Okay. So anything else? Okay. Nah, not, we'll I, think, I think we should just get into it. <laughs> Can I read this on the camera? Sure. Sure, sure, sure. So as I was telling them, I was sending them the fan art that made me fall in love with Reese again. And Caitlin responded, did you see my jewel on camera? Because, and it's the emoji that's like a red face with their tongue hanging out. Whoa! I told you. If it's like, if you haven't seen this fan art, please go look it up and be ready to, you know, just fall in love with this band all over again and want to reread Akatar, the entire series from start to finish. Yeah, I it's not doing it for me. Sorry. Like he looks hot. Maybe but, the eh. wine dulled your senses. I'm not sure. I don't know. This is. I don't know. It like oh, makes okay. me love him and hate her so much. It took me a minute. Time. I think I saw this before and I didn't realize it was Amarantha. I thought it was Tara. It's Amarantha. The finger on the the eye on the finger. Oh, and the red hair. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right. Okay. Back from Amarantha. Or Reese. God, he's so good looking in this And you see the knee tattoos? Like, yes. Yeah. Loved it. See all of it? Damn. Okay. His jaw's just a little too square for me. That's it. (sighs) I know. I know. I'm a monster. I get it. Okay, but it, it goes really nice with his defined cheekbones. Mad Schofield, or is, is that how do we think that's said? I think that's how yeah. we're saying that. Sure, girl, amazing work. Keep it up. Send Beautiful. us, send us more, please. I mean, I wouldn't say no. If this man came up to me, I wouldn't be like, no, sorry, your jaw is too square. But just letting you know, it's like that TikTok. I get on my knees for no men. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> this one, I will. <laughs> Um, so speaking of getting on your knees, so as Caitlin mentioned, we're only really reviewing the first 50% of Heartless Sky because we, it's a lot. So we're going to break this up into two parts. Hopefully, I think we'll publish both of them pretty close to each other within the same week, at least. So you guys don't have to wait too long to get our other hot take. So two minute summary. It's hard to do a two minute summary of the first 50%, but I'm going to do my best to try. So essentially, Book seven picks up exactly where book six 
leaves off and it's Darcy, Tori, Orion, Geraldine, basically like all the rebels and the heirs flying on the back of Dante, the storm dragon, and he's taking them to the Burrows, not to be confused with the Barrows, because I've confused it a couple of times already, which is the secret rebel hideout. And so essentially, there's a lot of reunions that happen, a lot of reunions that we're waiting for. There is a lot of hot sex in the first 50% of this book. Like the first good stuff. 8% of this book. I was about to say, it's more like the first four, three chapters. I was like, ooh, ooh, okay. It is good. It is Left and right. And it makes you happy. And it's a combination of like good, but also like lovemaking, which I can't believe I just said that word because I hate it. But it's good. It is good. I just, anyways, we're introduced to a super awesome. (laughs) Hilda's going to need to start drinking wine for every episode if we're going to (laughs) get caught. Oh my God. Okay. We were introduced to a wonderful new acronym which is the Circle of Covert Keepers, i.e. the Cox. Um, and these are the people. God, I love their nickname so much. They are entrusted with keeping the se- um, the location of the burrows, again, not barrows, secret, so that Lionel can't find them. What else? So there's some, you know, relationship stuff that needs to be hashed out. But again, as you can expect, if it led to good sex, it got resolved. Let me see. We get our first Lionel POV in this book, and he's as whiny and shitty in his POVs as you would expect him to be. And as an inside joke, they included a dick as part of his elements. So remember, he has the shadows. I think he has air and fire, and he also has a dick because he is a dick. Um, Just a quick note real quick. If you listen to the audiobook, you're probably like, what the hell are you talking about? In each chapter, um, whoever's POV it is, it shows the visual representation of whatever elements they have. So it was a nice little spoiler when we found out there's a dick on Lionel's. What else happens? So obviously there's some repercussions about the heirs, over the heirs joining the Vegas. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And their siblings were named the new replacement heirs. Orion is getting power shamed and he's basically being treated as an outcast by everybody, mostly by Hamish, who has a couple funny scenes, but then it gets a little bit annoying. Not going to lie. And I don't know if it was because I'm just super protective of Lance because I love him so much or because Hamish was being annoying. I don't know. Let us know your thoughts on that. He was definitely Um, being annoying. Orion, thank you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Orion needs virgin blood for the Zodiac Guild elixir. So he has to use Xavier's. Xavier also has quite a bit of sexual exploration in this book. We'll talk about that later. Darcy decides to wear Diego's hat. And so we got this full backstory on Diego and how he was a nymph and everything that he did at Zodiac and just everything that led up to his death in book five. So we learn more about the nymphs and like the shadow world we find out that there's 12 stones in the Zodiac Guild cup and they only have six and they need to find the other six. So there's an additional quest. And then because Diego was a quote unquote good nymph, we're wondering, are there more good nymphs? So the heirs go and find some nymphs, torture them, find out information. And mostly what they find out is that nymphs have been collecting excuse me, these dark artifacts, which is helping to power a rift between the Shadow Realm and the Salarian Realm, or the Fey Realm, which is what's giving, what's her face? Lavinia, her power. And so that is what's making Lavinia so strong. So the team decides to go and close that rift. And so that's basically where the 50% ends, and that's basically the two to five minute recap. Anything else? No, you nailed it. Okay, so again, like I said earlier, book seven picks up exactly where book six left off. We're in Darcy's POV, and Darcy's really just having a lot of reflections about what happened. Obviously, she's concerned about the curse. I don't know how much detail we went into about the curse that Lavinia put on her during the battle, but obviously it freaked Darcy out because there was a moment there when she couldn't really feel her phoenix and it was really subdued and it was like that handprint kind of just went away and they're like oh 
Phoenix fires back, good as new, and kept exactly. going. So she, she does find that out a little bit later, but obviously when she's on Dante's back, she's freaked out. But she's also happy for Tori because Tori, obviously, the Lionel bond was destroyed. So she doesn't have the Aries symbol on her on her anymore. Hence why she was able to cut off his hand. But she also doesn't have the star the star crossed circles around her eyes. So Yay. yeah, I'm so happy that burned away. Well, oh, didn't so burn happy. away, I guess. Well, it was part went of the deal. Yes. And so Tori though is happy about those things, but she's also kind of sad because you know, Xavier told them that Darius married Mildred. So she's just kind of like, what's going on? So they finally land in the burrows. Again, not the barrows. You guys don't understand how badly I want to say the barrows all the time. Or just the barrow. Again, what Harry are the barrows from? Harry Potter. That's where the oh, it's um, the, barrows? I thought lived. It was the burrows this entire time. I thought it was the burrows as well. I thought they lived in the barrows. <laughs> Look that up. Look that up. Doing it. I um, thought it was the burrows. I'm like, dang it, the barrows? <laughs> well, the barrows is where the Weasleys lived, and then the burrows is the rubble hideout. It's the burrow. It's B-U-R-R-O-W. And Harry Potter? Oh, okay. How strange. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> I was like, wait, what book do I not know about? I was like, it must be Harry Potter that she's referencing, because I also was like, oh, woohoo. Where the Another hell is the reference. Bar- Google the barrows. See what comes up. <laughs> Okay. While we're waiting, I came up um, with a name on Harry Potter. I'm just trying to remember what it was. The K in this, but in our last episode, we were trying to we were trying to figure out what name Lionel's Death Eaters would be called his followers, and of course, they're called the Dicks, Dragon <laughs> Intelligent Command Squad. I just don't have the K, but they're the Dicks. Good job, good job. <laughs> How about Dragon Intelligence? Command King's Squad. Yes. Yes. I I don't remember what I had and I was like, brilliant. And I think I was like washing my hair and was very pleased with myself that I came up with this. Best thoughts and are always shower thoughts. Just boom, right out of the brain. I feel like you would make Caroline and Suzanne proud. I think I did too. I think I did too. Okay. All right, back to the burrows. So there's a sweet reunion between Catalina and Xavier. So Catalina's there and she has hidden her appearance. Um, so she looks like somebody else, but she reveals herself to Xavier. And then, then Tori joins their love circle and then Darcy does. So it's just all really beautiful and, and heartwarming. Lance. Lance joins it too. Again, we were introduced to a wonderful acronym, which is the Circle of Covert Keepers or the Cox. Um, these are very loyal royalists who may show others how to find the burrows. Only a select few know of the location to ensure it can never be found by those to, who wish to harm them. Um, that's almost a direct quote from the book. So the Vegas, the heirs, um, anybody that wants to enter recites this pledge. Do you swear upon the stars to never reveal the locations of this place to Lionel Acrux or any of his loyal followers and never speak of anyone you see here in its depths? And do you also swear to never grievously harm or kill a single person here in the boroughs? Cool. So everybody takes the pledge. In particular, it's interesting that the heirs take it. And I guess it becomes official in case anybody was questioning that the heirs are now Team Vega. And so they actually reflect on that a little bit. So like as I mentioned earlier, Lance is getting power shamed. And so in the previous books, we had talked about him being power shamed. But because he was like imprisoned and only kind of got the opportunity to hang out with dragons, we didn't realize what that meant. But in this book, we realize that it is literally a cultural thing. And Faye don't want to be around power shamed Faye. And Hamish, in particular, has a really physical reaction to Orion. And he's constantly like retching at one point. Yeah. Gagging. He faints when he finds out that Lance is the leader of the Zodiac Guild because he feels like the guild is being besmirched by, again, a power shamed Faye being the leader. And honestly, all this talk about power shaming really pisses Darcy off because to Darcy, like, Lance is her king. And she actually says that later in the book. But, you know, again, she doesn't have the cultural understanding but also like she loves lance and she thinks it's bullshit she knows that lance lied to protect her 
and that, you know, he never abused her or manipulated her. And so she really, like, she gets really pissed off whenever anybody calls out Lance for being power shamed. Lance, however, understands that it's a cultural thing and that he doesn't want to reflect poorly on Darcy. So he tries to, like, keep his distance, but Darcy's always, like, calling him up and, like, standing close to him. And again, she always gets pissed at people that insult Lance and say that he's power shamed and worthless. So Darcy and Orion are trying to get close to each other and really like have a follow-up conversation to the stuff that happened at the end of book six, where again, they declared their love for each other when they were in prison. Lance, in front of everybody that was in the arena, um, when they were having their battle with the nymphs, like kneeled down and he said that, you know, he kneels before the Vega queens, but they keep getting interrupted first by Xavier, but then also by Seth. Seth actually has a really funny quote. Um, and he's like, didn't realize things were getting 50 shades of blue in here, which I, I thought was Seth. really awesome. Seth had some great one liners in this book. I yeah. think some of his best work. Again, they're in the burrows. There's weird, like, sleeping arrangements. Obviously, they're trying to fit in a bunch of rebels in an underground space. And while they have their Earth elementals trying to make more tunnels and more space, space is still really limited. And so people have to, like, share rooms. And Seth doesn't want to share a room with Caleb because... I'm quoting him here. He doesn't want to get an awkward boner. Because remember, at this point, we know that Seth is in love with Caleb. And so he decides that he's going to go room with Darcy and Orion. Much, much, much to Lance's displeasure. Because he's obviously cutting in on Darcy and Lance sexy time. Because they're decent people and they're not going to have sex with each other with another person in the room. So anyways, Seth explains why he can't room with Caleb. So let's go back to Tori and Darius for a minute. So Tori goes outside of the burrow to wait for Darius because he and Gabriel still haven't shown up. And she has this really like this whole monologue where she talks about her feelings. And it, for the first time, I feel like we get a really soft side to Tori. And she is, she's basically, you know, saying that like, you know, is he really going to love me? Because not only, you know, are they not star-crossed, which remember when they were star-crossed, they were supposed to have these, they were supposed to be pining after each other. So now that they're no longer star-crossed, like, is he still pining after her? Like, are his feelings real? So she's having all of these, you know, doubts, especially because she's like, no one's ever loved me. The only person that's ever loved me is Darcy. So, you know, does this guy love me? And Darius shows up. And can I just tell you guys, he does love her. And he promises her 100 orgasms in a night, which I think is excessive. maybe just a tiny bit excessive. I mean, I mean, but that's their love, though. Yeah. It also happened in Straw. But again, pain. In a barn. <laughs> Which in a barn. But yes, if you guys were wondering, Darius does love her. And so Darius and Tori are kind of like committed to each other. And it's a really great, like, scene. And I just love them so much. Like, not only is he, like, alpha possessive over her, but his words to her. Oh, my gosh. He even, he even proposes to her. And she's kind of like, whoa, hey, buddy, slow down. Like, let's just hang out. And, like, maybe in 20 years we can get married. But we also know why. Well, I was going to say, that's also like a recurring theme of what's going on. Darius is not telling people the bargain that he made so that all the bonds would be destroyed. However, he's acting, he has like these, this certain desperation about him. And he's even performing a spell on himself so that he won't fall asleep so that he can spend as much time with Tori as possible. My heart. And I just made faces like, oh. I know. It's just... Well, he's like, a man on a timeline. Really he's a man on a timeline and he's realizing he's got very little time to right the wrongs and spend as much time with the people he loves. And so you're like, oh, he's just putting a spell on him. He has one stable. year to love the girl of his dreams. Only one year to make up for everything. He has one and year to every love second her. to love her to the fullest. And he's doing it. He's doing it. But there's also, I can't remember right now because. 
um, the mirror ball is clouding my judgment, but I'm pretty sure that the wording for the, for like the promise that he makes is very specific. And it has to do with the way that I interpreted it had to do with him basically admitting that, you know, Tori and Darcy were going to be queens. And I can't remember, obviously I cannot remember the exact wording right now, but it had to do with like proving that he had to be like the man that he was supposed to be or something. Anyways, that's a loophole. We'll get into that in when we go over our theories for book eight. Anyways, I think we mentioned it already, but in case you missed it, Tori and Darius have really hot sex. Great scene. Look it up. Multiple okay. times, even after that. Multiple times. Again, right. did I mention that he promised so 100 orgasms? So much loving. So much. Okay, so we have our first Lionel POV, and he's basically throwing a tantrum in this first POV, because again, Lionel's a little bitch. And one of the things that he notes is that Lavinia doesn't look like Clara anymore, and that she's like truly the princess of darkness. In case you were wondering, she still calls him daddy, which is still as disgusting as it was previously. God, it still um, has such an, after all this time, full body reaction on my part where I'm just like, Ugh. I would gag on my wine if it wasn't good wine. At one point, Lionel was going to kill Vard, um, but Lavinia doesn't let him. She's like, you know, he might be useful to us. Lionel still doesn't know that Darius has betrayed him. So, you know, he's like, he tells Jenkins, the butler, you know, to bring Darius to him. And then he finds out, obviously, that Mildred was hogtied all this time and that the marriage actually didn't happen and that Darius has betrayed him. So, again, he has a little bit of a hissy fit. Lavinia, though, is like, she tells him to start acting like a king and she actually grows back his hand, but she gives him like a shadow hand. And not um, a good shadow hand like Dorian did. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, no, no. This isn't positive shadow hands. You do not want the shadow hand on you, unlike with Dorian. Also, um, we find out that to cut off a phase power source, you have to do the head, the heart, or their hand. So, like, it, him having his hand cut off made him significantly weaker before he got the shadow hand. Yeah. And so, even though Lionel is the king, it's kind of clear from their power dynamic that Lavinia is in charge. And she tells him, and this is a quote, a long time ago, your ancestor promised to marry me and place me upon the throne of flames. Octavius Acrex promised me his hand in marriage. I am Lavinia Umbra and we made a deal, which I expect his descendant to stick to. You owe me that, daddy. <laughs> and she'll, she tells him that she'll give him an heir because obviously at this point, Lionel has no heirs because Darius has betrayed him and he doesn't consider Xavier his heir because he's a Pegasus. But even in this POV and he understands like how powerful she actually is, he still believes he can control her and keep her underneath her, like his wing and still like under his thumb. Shot. Well, I mean, he's a dragon his... so I went for the wing. <laughs> oh, I was like his shadow thumb? But that is so on brand for Lionel where he's so delusional in his own power and his own strength that he doesn't realize that he's not the one calling the shots anymore. It's Lavinia. She's just letting him think he's calling the shots. Yeah. I mean, she I'm definitely all- gives me like, I, when I think of her, I imagine the girl from the grudge. So it doesn't bother me that she's crazy because like Lionel, whatever she dishes to Lionel, he deserves. And more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But also okay. she's just really unhinged and yeah, it no, makes me worried for the insane. rest of the, the rest of our fan group over she's here, like legitimately insane so we run into a really funny scene where orion wakes up to to snuggling with seth and orion almost kills him and so this actually sets up several orion seth interactions where seth is pretending or seth thinks that they're best friends but orion just wants to kill him i know we're supposed to start liking seth in this book and i just i just can't i here's he's my two he's gone from like unlikable to just straight up annoying to me like he has funny one-liners here and there but his whole like personality shift to golden retriever just was here's my my controversial hot way to take it personality shift to golden retriever what's your take Hilda? i don't hate seth Mm. as much as i should because he's funny and if you know my track record i am a sucker for funny i don't make good decisions so i see that 
I see why you're making that decision. I also feel he's borderline annoying with his like whippery doggy, you're right, golden retriever vibes. Is he dollar store Leon? Absolutely. He's dollar store Leon. Because Leon had like a What's lower than a dollar store? Because that's what he is to me. That is harsh, Bridget. Like that is free on the side of the road? I mean, let's just put it in the trash. Like some shit you get a dollar store just immediately goes in the trash because it's garbage. He just – I just – I find him very annoying. His whole take, everything's always the same. Everyone's telling him to sell Seth like you like him. And he's just like, so what you're saying is that I should go suck his cock. And you're like – are you going to repeat not the what same I'm thing? Saying. <laughs> like, it's basically the same conversation he has with, like, the three of them over and over again about what he should yeah. do with Seth, and he just disregards everyone. Well, I think that Caleb? just shows that Seth is just an immature man-child. Oh, and yes. he And he needs to – he needs to step up and grow up. I said before, um, I'll say it again. Seth is class from Umbrella, Umbrella Academy. Same person. Gotta finish it. Same vibe. At least Leon like had some. Yeah, he was that golden retriever type of boy as well in there in that book. But he just had so much more to bring. I feel like he had more of like a manly persona or manly vibe, and Seth gives me kind of like whimpery, whiny. Leon yeah. is definitely more mature. And Leon yeah, was definitely a- like pushing character growth for other characters yeah. in the book. So he served more of a purpose as well, other than what he brought to the plot. Like yeah. his dynamic was really well with his little bro friends. Even when he was at Aurora Academy, so like young Leon versus the Leon that we get in this book, like he was definitely more mature than Seth. Even though he had a temper um that was pretty crazy. Yeah. Seth Seth has a lot of growing up to do. So Leon it'll has be a interesting temper. to see. Seth what has happens a mean streak. Yeah. That's hard um, to contend with. Oh, one thing I forgot during the Lionel Lavinia scene was that Lionel outright rejected Stella. And he was basically, he was really cruel about it. He was like, hey, didn't you get the memo? I was fucking your daughter. Why do you think I'm interested in you? Anyways, I feel like that comes back to haunt him. There's a Isn't whole it, breakfast. It's really sad that it took Stella up till this point to get the picture. I, I mean, lady needs to learn some self-respect. Okay, so they go to breakfast. There's like a reunion with Darius. All the heirs find out that Darius is there and so they get super excited. Darius and Orion are going to kind of have a reunion, but they get interrupted by the heirs. Um, So Orion's kind of just like off in the corner because, again, he's being rejected by people and he doesn't really feel part of the group. But Gabriel comes over and he's like, yeah, dude, you need to go to the Wasted Mountains to get the Rothium grass for the Zodiac Kills elixir. And I'm like, this is so typical Gabriel just like showing up and just being like, hey, you need to go do something. So Lance tries to leave the burrows, but the guards are there and they're like, hey, you need to get permission from like the Vegas. And also they start to mock him because he's power shamed. But then Darcy shows up and she tells the guards off and she's like, you know, basically defends him. And she was like, hey, I'm going with you because, you know, Gabriel said we should. So they go to the Wasted Mountain. They're looking for the grass. They run into some nymphs. And so they're fighting the nymphs. Darcy gets really violent when fighting the nymphs. Like she's taking way too much pleasure in the gore and violence behind this. But essentially, Darcy and Lance have a convo when they're not having sex. And they're basically like, we're back together. Now, I just want to interrupt and say, you quickly skimmed over some great Lance and oh oh I'm not done yet. Okay, <laughs> there was a we find another reason why vampires are so good at sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, Darcy and Lance have some really hot sex, and here's a really great quote from Lance. So, do you want to find out why my order is the best at fucking? Yes, Lance, I do actually. So, just let you guys think about that. Why do you think the vampires are the best at fucking? And what do we know about vampires other than they like to suck blood um, and other things, apparently? They move quickly. <laughs> they have speed on their side. And when um, they move so fast, sometimes things can vibrate. Just go read the scene. You'll yeah, thank just, us later. just go. Like, I, like, if I don't want to say- about it. And you're listening now, go read it. Um, and I will I say like, I was that person. I forgot about it. And I read it. and was like, whoa. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. A lot of good scenes were in this book in the first couple of pages. And this you're like, is not, I forgot all about all of this. I forgot this all about it. A, a family podcast. But 
It's you might X-rated. end up with a family. Um, <laughs> As always, friends, wrap it up. Just your friendly re- reminder, wrap it up, snip it, or do or something just, about it. Yes, just make good sadly, choices. the spells do not work in this realm. And yes. we live in the United States of America where, you know, yeah. women's rights are in question. So, And you know what? Yeah. 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 I don't even know. So I, I can't go yourself. down this whole tangent. Yes. Protect yourself and protect others. Make good choices. Make good choices. Because no so, dick is worth it. <laughs> Unless you're Lance Orion. So, yeah. So Darcy and Lance are back together. There's this kind of funny interlude where we find out that the heirs are not adapting well to not being spoiled. And it's actually kind of funny. And so Caleb reads the story about the Vegas that Lionel got published we're basically saying that Darcy played with their minds and is manipulating them mentally via the ravens that she supposedly talks to. And that Tori is using sex magic to also manipulate the heirs. And that's why all of the heirs are now Team Vega. It's a ridiculous story. But again, Caleb and the rest of the heirs are concerned about their families. And we find out that Caleb had a sort of backup plan with his mother, with Melinda. Thank God um, she's smart. Where they could contact each other in case this weird situation happens. And so he goes and he meets her in the Voldrakian Desert, which is ex- actually the kingdom that the twins' mother is from. And so they talk and Caleb's like, you know, you guys should come join us. But Melinda's like, you know, Tiberius, me and Antonella are St- Antonia, not Antonella. I was like, Antonia. is that really her name? It's Antonia. Sorry are staying because, you know, we want to know what's going on. So we know, obviously, that the heir's parents are not Lionel supporters, but they're making him think of it. So, you know, they can try to make the best of it. And she gives Caleb a way of communicating with her and tells him what to do in case, you know, she's in danger, Antonia's in danger, or Tiberius is in danger. And so they can communicate. So funny interlude. Or Orion. That was for you, Bridget. Thank you. Orion. Orion needs virgin blood for the Zodiac Guild elixir, and the only virgin he can think of is Xavier. And Xavier insists, however, that he's not a virgin. That was sure. I, that was such a funny scene. Anything with Xavier, I feel like, in this so, was very He good. has the most <laughs> – Xavier provides some of the best comic relief in this book, and it mostly has to do with him just being super inappropriate and sharing the personal details of his life that are going on. Like, he keeps walking into these situations that are, like, somber and serious and, like, doing absolutely ridiculous But he's so excited to share these news that he's not reading the room at all. He's not reading the situation. He's, like, a really awkward teenager that's, like, sweet and innocent trying to, like, prove he's not innocent. And he just happens to fall upon the wrong time, wrong place. So um, fir- and this happens twice, right? Yeah. So the first time is it three times? Is it? Is it? So you have, and I don't, you know, we'll spoiler alert as we get into this, but you have his uh, Jacob's ladder. Yep, permanent dejazzling is Jacob's ladder. <laughs> now is that the first one or was it the threesome? Oh, no, no, that was, that the, was the first one. And then when he lost his virginity, and then I feel like there was something else. So you know, Pegasus is. Like to have a, we talked about before, they do a lot of decorative, um, you know, if you're familiar with a vajazzle, they do a dick jazzle. and sparkly genitalia. Thank you. I was really struggling to explain that. And they like to jazz it up. He, you know, meets. Glitter and rhinestones. Uh Uh-huh. He meets a tattoo artist who, if you read, and this may be getting into Ruthless Boys, so I'll try to keep it spoiler free as possible but he meets a character that we know from ruthless boys named carson who does a lot of tattooing and also will do some piercing and he convinces carson to do a permanent sparkly genitalia on him in the form of a jacob's ladder now if you're like what is that content warning did not google this from your work computer uh-huh. I highly suggest going into your private or incognito mode in your browser if you're really curious. Again, not trying to yuck anyone's yum. I'm just saying you don't want maybe don't want these ads following you 
wherever they <laughs> yeah so how do we describe a jacob's ladder that is oh i can definitely describe it for you go for um, it it's a ladder out what is where do i start <laughs> it is multiple piercings horizontal and vertical horizontal uh-huh. and vertical or- um going up and down a certain part of your penis. You know, I was gonna say the shaft, but yeah, I was gonna say that too. And I'm like, where, where? Where? It's a family podcast. Just kidding. It's definitely it's not a family not. podcast. We've already we've already said it. It was X rated. Okay, no, it's definitely. Think not. about you know piercings that you have so seen we're before and like- just get really creative. And what's really great about Xavier is that homeboy went all out and decided to get like a rainbow colored Jacob's ladder, and I was like. He's just—he's just such a Pegasus. And now we're not talking about like one or two or even five. I think it's like an upwards of like ten piercings. Yeah, no. I mean, if you have the size for ten piercings, good for you. God bless. God bless. Go big or go home. Uh, Right, and I believe Carson's payment for this is that Xavier has to help him play a prank on Gabriel later, which I'm sure Hilda will touch on another comedic point in this. The story um, which is actually in the other 50 percent, though yeah 50 so you're gonna have to wait so yeah. if, if you're wondering why gabe not gabriel um xavier has decided to do this right now is because and this might be getting a little bit ahead in this this a uh, couple of we chapters are, we're here. skipping a small part but it's fine essentially xavier you know has been wondering how he can contact people that are not in the rebel base and so we know that he's concerned ultimately about sophia and then Gabriel ends up having a vision that Xavier's heard is going to be massacred by Lionel for treason, quote unquote. And so Xavier and Darius launch a plan to go save them. Darius is also going to Zodiac to get some books and supplies for Lance that he needs to figure out the mysteries of the Zodiac Guild. And, and just- he leaves without telling Tori, so she's pissed. Yeah. So they go, they fight Lionel, a shadow bitch shows up. Lavinia and really kind of just saves Lionel's ass once again. They find out that he has the shadow's hand, so Darius is pissed. Darius was able to retrieve his dark magic box, which has the bones. Meanwhile, good little Xavier goes off to go find Sophia. He runs into Tyler. They go to save her because she's been locked in Lionel's and Lance's old classroom, and she was basically in detention. It was burning his books as part of her punishment. So he was able to snag the books at the same time. They're really cutting it close. Darius decides that he's going to go steal, not steal, but take back his motorcycle that he gifted Tori to bring back to the burrows for her. You know, it's another thing to make you love him. When they get back, there's some partying at some point. Can I say why we had the party? No, not yet. Hold on. Because you skipped ahead and we skipped some important things. Right. Just to briefly touch back on Xavier's Jacob Ladder. Right? Him or and Tyler have a- too much. He and Tyler are fighting over Sophia. And so Tyler is making fun because uh, the last time Xavier tried to dejazzle himself, all of his rhinestones fell off. So Xavier feels compelled to go get this piercing done. And when he runs in to show everybody. In all um, of his excitement. And, and his of- all his glory. Hamish. Hey, um, his mom. The heirs. The twins. The heirs. Tyler. Sophia are there and we find out that Lionel has killed um, Tyler's mom, Felicity Corbin, because she was the publisher or editor of the other newspaper, not the Daily Prophet and not the Celestial Times. Can't remember the name right now. So imagine um, this man running into this room full of these people who received this very somber he is news. butt naked. Butt naked, swimming his rain- rainbow dong around everywhere. Look what I made! And everyone just like stares at him and blinks like, uh, uh, that's great, Xavier, but Tyler's mom just died. And you see him like shrink into himself like, oh, and, you know, God bless. I think this happens twice. And Catalina's trying to be so supportive. She's like, that's great. She's like, oh, honey. Honey. (laughs) And Darius is like, put some fucking pants on. It's just and to see this happen not once but twice is is great. It does provide much needed comedic relief as we start to feel the tension building down in the burrows and we get news from the outside world that Lionel shenanigans are picking up steam and getting worse. So it's just some other things. Washer shows up specifically with the girl's underwear because he was trying to be helpful. Oh, it's and the Daily Solaria, by the way. Not the there Daily we go. Prophet. The Daily the Daily Solarian. 
Close to daily profit. Or daily salary. Daily salary, um, yeah. So during all of this, Darcy decides that she's going to wear Diego's hat. And so we get the full backstory on Diego and his life as a nymph. And we find out that there were certain things that Diego was responsible for. So in book one, when Darcy was walking by herself in the woods and she felt really scared, it was Diego and his nymph form. When they were in Tucana and that first weekend celebrating and Sophia got super shit-based and Diego had to take her back, it was because Diego had spiked their drinks and he was hoping to hand them over to Alejandro, his uncle. In book three, when Tori got shit-faced in the orb, when she was playing drinking games with Diego and Sophia, it was again Diego spiking her drink because he was going to hand her over to Alejandro. And this is where I was kind of like starting to suspect that Diego was behind some of these things. Yeah, but eventually we learned that Diego has a change of heart and he becomes quote unquote good. And so we see the rest of like his story where he's basically trying to feed false information to Alejandro. And then obviously he ends up dying when he attacks Lavinia or Clara at the end of book five. And so this begs the question, you know, can nymphs be good? And so the group kind of like has that in the back of their mind. And then just one funny little thing was Darius was like, his name was Diego. I could have sworn it was Darnell. Um, (laughs) I love that Joe keeps running on. Yeah. So they have that in the back of their mind. The other thing that happens is Lance and Darius kind of have a moment. All this time, Lance has been concerned that the friendship that he had with Darius wasn't sincere, and it was really brought upon the gar- by the Guardian bond. And so they end up having their moment where they realize that, you know, their friendship wasn't fake. And they actually go nap and cuddle at some point. Not because they have really to, but because they want to. Exactly. And so when they're talking, Darius tells Lance, you know, that Seth the entire time was trying to get him and Darcy back together. He also lets him know that he's planning to challenge Lionel. Lance begs him, you know, to rule with the Vegas. And while Darius admits that Tori is his queen, she's not Solaria's. Again, fucking Darius and his stubborn, hard-headed ways. You'd think this man Um, has one year left on Earth to spend with this time, and he's really going to waste these precious seconds talking about, oh, she's not my queen. Like, sir, you are not going to be alive in a year. Who's going to rule them? Oh, oh no. It's not he definitely still – well, in his, like, time that he's been at the boroughs, he's obviously still training with the heirs. He wants them to be the best. But he's, like, been giving extra lessons to Xavier because he fully intends for Xavier to take his spot on as the an council. heir. You're right. I completely forgot about rule. that. But still, you would think he would not be so hard-headed on this point, I guess, you know? Darius is an idiot sometimes. Love him. He's an idiot. We also find out – so they read – There's this whole like scene where they go outside and they're reading from Lance's father's diary. And we find out that there's like 12 stones related to the Zodiac Guild chalice. And so they only have six. They have to go find the other six. Obviously, there's a new adventure to go on. We also find out that Gabriel confronts Darius about the deal that he made with the stars. And he's like, dude, you don't have a timeline after Christmas. What the hell is going on? And again, Darius continues to be tight-lipped about his deal with the stars. After Darius and Xavier come back from Zodiac, we find out that Hamish proposes to Catalina. And so they're going to get married at the next new moon. And this I was really sweet. Because I feel like- Even though Go ahead. Hamish pissed me off a lot. I'm- happy that Catalina gets to have love. So they were like pretending they weren't together and everyone could obviously tell that they were, but it was also because he didn't want to make her like a dishonest woman or something like that because she's technically still married to Lionel because she was, she didn't actually die and break their like marriage vows. So the twins were able to break the vows for her. And then he, they were immediately like, let's get married. And Geraldine is full on. Geraldine is like, I could plan yeah. this immediately. So it doesn't happen in this half, but we end up eventually having a wedding. So oh, no, going it does. back, does it happen in this half? Yeah. Does it? Yeah. Okay. I must have skimmed over that. So going back to Diego and the deep thoughts about the nymphs that he's forcing everybody to think about, the heirs have the really good idea to go sneak into 
one of the Salarian cities and basically question a bunch of nymphs. And when they do that, they find out that the nymphs are collecting these dark artifacts, which they are feeding into like this temple that's created a rift, which is feeding the power back to Lavinia. So they take that information back to the borough. And so the group, so Tori, Darius, Darcy, Lance, Geraldine, Max, Seth, Caleb decide to go and close the rift because of how quickly they have to do it. And because Lance is really the only one who knows enough dark magic to close the rift, which is how you need to close the rift, Lance and Caleb are going to team up together to actually go inside the weird temple where the rift is at. So again, they can close it. And again, it's weird because remember, Lance and Caleb don't really get along because they're both powerful vampires. And so the rest of them are off distracting the other nymphs while Lance and Caleb go close the rift. There's a lot of fighting. So Lance and Kayla, Lance is trying to close the rift. He's successful, but his power is like tied to the rift. And so he's getting sucked in and he's going to die. And Caleb is basically like not on my watch. So he bites Lance and starts drinking his blood to like basically immobilize his power. So he doesn't get sucked into the rift. But then Lance is like, what the fuck, bro? And so he bites Caleb back. And apparently a vampire... Biting a, bite, biting a vampire who's also biting you creates this real weird circle and Lance and Caleb become, what is it, Sangui Fratelli? So basically blood brothers. And so- I love it. Long story short- All kinds of vampire code. Yeah. it's They're not supposed to do it, but they did it. And so long story short, Lance and Caleb are now besties. Almost as giddy and joyful as Lance and Gabriel. It's kind of funny. I love it. Um, So what else happens? Okay, so they're fighting the nymphs and Darcy and Tori are going or power sharing or they go to power share and there's this huge explosion of like Phoenix power that was not meant to happen And Tori goes like flying away and Darcy passes out. So clearly there was a weird power eruption. Like the Phoenix fire was not behaving the way that the Phoenix fire should. Gabriel shows up, knocks out Darius because he was like, if you go looking for Tori, really bad things are going to happen and you're going to die. And so the rest of them go back to the borough. And so basically Tori is by herself. She wakes up in a field. The nymphs are coming after her. She uses her earth power to suck herself into the ground and she ends up essentially inside this weird temple and she finds that her mother has left her a bunch of clues and given her more backstory about what's going on with the nymphs. And we find out that Marissa, who again is the twins' mother, very powerful seer, she couldn't see the shadows, but she knew that something was up and she figured out that Vard was up to something Because by then, Vard, who was originally part of the Savage King's court, he insulted, I think he insulted the queen. So Hale fucked him up. And so Vard went looking for the nymphs to get revenge. And so Vard has always been described as having a weird eye. And we come to find out it's because Alejandro, when Vard showed up at the temple, gave him a nymph eye. And so that's how Vard can like see the shadows. Just fun fact. So I completely Marissa- forgot about his weirdo eyeball and the fact that a certain someone has to go retrieve it with Ugh. a melon baller I feel like she brought with her. <laughs> One of the best scenes. One of the best Geraldine scenes. So fucking weird, but awesome scene. Handled um, and the fact, like, only the way that Geraldine is- can handle it. And she does this like they made it seem like this is something she's done before yeah, in before. her past. Like, it's a family Super. thing. But that obviously it happens later. And so that's essentially how the first 50% of the book ends. Oh, another thing. When they decide that they're going to go to, like, the Nymph Shadow Temple, Geraldine presents the twins with ancient phoenix armor that their mother had given Hamish to give to them. And so, you know, the twins are embracing more of, like, their phoenix ancestry. And so basically the first 50% ends with Tori finding all of her mother's clues and then 
she uses a home homing spell, a honing spell to get back to the burrow. And that's basically as far as we're going to go today. Did I leave anything else? Out. No, other than what I say, Zodiac Guild, the quest for the stones gave me very Marvel Comics Thanos's Hand of Doom. Yeah. Infinity. The Infinity Love. Stones. So it Infinity was very Stones. Similar similarities exist there. Normally we pull from Harry Potter. In this instance, we're pulling a little bit from Marvel, which is okay. Yeah, but in this book as well, like with Harry Potter, like those last couple of books, they were always on a quest to do something to go find things and i felt like they were on the quest to go find the hardcore crux wow well and then the deathly hallows yes so like i feel like this book has been reminding me of the same because they're always on a quest to do something whether it was a quest to go find the ingredients for the elixir or they're off to find the stones or they're off to close the rift in the realm the scooby gang is back at it again full force trying to save another mystery Uh, jinkies oh boy i'm trying to think if there's anything else, I think that- those are. The- oh, oh, um, Tyler has before they go off to close the realm and they're wearing their phoenix armor. Tyler comes out because he hasn't been around for the past two weeks because his mom had passed away. He's kind of been moping, and morning. he decided that he, well, morning <laughs> too, not moping, morning. moping. <laughs> well, Xavier is moping that he's going to take back over the daily Solaria. Um, Because his mom was the one that was running it before she died. And in honor of her, he is going to take over and start broadcasting what the rebels are doing. And his first article is going to be of how the twins defeated the nymphs for this thing. And Sophie also admits that she loves the fact that they're not fighting her two guys. And you're kind of hinting at the fact that there's going to be a poly. Sophia admits to the twins and Geraldine that she's in love with both of them and she's hoping that like they can like figure it out and there are definitely some Tyler Corbin Facebook Facebook sorry posts specifically around Xavier's lack of dejazzle that was that happened the night that Hamish and Catalina got married afterwards they all got drunk and yeah you know penis pics were spread And then the last thing was when we found out about the Zodiac Stones, it's actually a really funny scene because there's only six. And so Darius goes like full dragon and he wants to like keep the treasure. Um, Darcy was like, Tori was like, bad dragon. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. So So funny. They're trying to take the stones back from him. And Lance was like, well, if you join the guild, maybe you can keep be the keeper of the stones. So that was kind of funny. So I guess that's, Basically well, I do want to add that if you have not read The Ruthless Boys, which is the spinoff to the series, there are some crossover characters. I think reading it before book seven, so this book we're talking about, reading it between six and seven is a really good point to do it because there are a lot of character crossovers. Now, you're not going to – if you haven't read it and you read book seven and you may not have caught it immediately – if you've read Ruthless Boys, you'll know they'll talk of a purple-haired woman riding a giant, a giant riding a dragon's back. And if you've read Ruthless a Boys, griffin. you a griffin, a griffin, you would know who that is. And especially Carson, we mentioned earlier, who does the Jacob's Ladder. You understand the backstory and why he would want to play a prank on. Wait, a she's real. riding a griffin. Yeah, she was riding a griffin. She was like aiming his tail at like poop. Oh, on that scene, I thought I was thinking about the scene in the like nymph pit arena yeah, where she rolls up with two. a dragon. But then no, the and lion. Like, last book. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the Nemean. Yeah, no. Which I knew there was something there because when they kept mentioning Nemean lion, I was like, who? Who is this Nemean lion that I've never heard of before? We know who it is because we read Ruthless Boys of the Zodiac. Also, you meet. Leon, my one of my favorite characters in any book, in the last half of this book, and antics ensue with Seth, and a prank is played, and it's funny. It's just funny. It was a good time. Okay, guys. So, so I that, guess that is it. Now that wraps up part one of book seven. So stay tuned for part two. When may I suggest <laughs> while listening to part two, you are not operating a or is it? Heavy, heavy machinery. machinery. How about this? We'll get in. We'll we'll give a spoiler for the heavy scene parts, which is the last fifteen percent of the book. Ten percent of the 10. book. Last ten. So when we get to this point, we'll say, okay, you know, proceed with caution for what yes. you may hear or what you may hear. 
I was going to say, yeah, basically, basically what you hear. Basically, also, if you're drowning your sorrows in wine, we will be as well. And there's no judgment. We are only here to. to I was going to say, know, I'm like, if you. you feel like medicating with your substance of choice, have at it. Pop a gummy, grab a glass. Um, I'm hoping you guys ordered the wine glass glasses. So I was just trying to. Mine isn't coming until like later this week. So I didn't know. Oh, I need to double check that. Well, that will conclude part one of this two part series of Heartless Sky. Our first two part series ever in this beloved little podcast of ours. If you, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys. So if you have thoughts and feelings, what were your thoughts and feelings as you read Heartless Sky? Because, man, you know, I'm pretty sure you had the same thoughts and feelings and tears as we did reading the last half. We'd love to hear from you. So you can drop us a note, send us a DM at booktalkmeadme underscore pod on Instagram and TikTok. Or um, just make sure you rate us and review us. We love hearing from you guys, and we'll always try to give you a shout-out from anyone we hear. So please drop us a line. Let's chat. And special Don't we thanks- a shout-out for someone? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I don't know her. Someone oh, was from Mar- work? Oh, yes. Angie. We see you. Hi, Angie. Thank you. Appreciate you. Long-time listener. First time. I don't know you, but shout-out. I love you already. Shout-out shout, shout out for you. Thank you, Angie. And you, too, can get a personalized shout-out. Leave us a comment. Rate us. Review us. And you know, drop us a line. Mountain Books gave us the book BFFs challenge, which we're going to take in. I mean, you guys jumped to that real quick. I may have to, you know, noodle on my thoughts of who I pick. You know, I'm going to need to think about it. Once you mentioned Bryce, I was like, oh yeah, Bryce. 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 This top four, top four book besties. This is tough. It's tough. Uh, Yeah. Because like, Lissandra, you made a good point. I could go on about this. Maybe we'll have to do a whole tangent episode. So we're going to get into part two. Next time, we'll also have a theories episode as we approach um, book eight and what we expect to happen in the final conclusion of Zodiac Academy. But of course, we're not losing the world all... We're not leaving the world altogether because the girls announced just today or in the last 24 hours about the series that Hilda mentioned earlier about the twins mom and her world before the twins. So we'll have a lot more to touch on um, after we conclude with Zodiac. So that's it from us tonight. We hope you enjoy and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Don't be sober next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Or this time, I guess.